This is the Go Radio Football Show Podcast. Hosted by Rob McLean, Mark Weedy and Stephen Cregan. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! Rangers have been hit by a COVID-19 outbreak as they prepare for two massive matches in the next five days. The numbers affected and the names involved haven't been disclosed. Rangers kick off against Alashkert in Armenia in less than 24 hours' time. Then it's Celtic at Ibrox on Sunday. Mark Guidi, we'll get into the detail of it shortly, uh, but it's not great news for Rangers, is it? No, it's a blow, um, Rob. There's several first-team players out, including Alan McGregor and, and, and John McLaughlin, the captain, James Tavernier, and of course the manager, um, yeah. Stephen Gerrard, has, has not travelled to Armenia, and that's a blow as well, and you've not got your leader um, in the technical area. But what we don't know, Rob, and what we've got to remember is there's clearly been an issue with COVID um, and isolation, but uh, we've got to remember to respect the right to, to people's anonymity and privacy when it comes to medical uh, matters. So we don't know if the people who have not travelled today have not travelled because of a COVID-related issue or it might just be down to injury and Rangers are keeping things private. Just when you thought it couldn't get any more complicated, it probably just has done. Uh, we will give you what detail we can on that shortly. Meanwhile, Celtic Avranch Postecoglou says Rangers did the right thing in banning fans who racially abused Japanese striker Kyogo. Celtic have a fully fit squad for their Europa League qualifier in the Netherlands tomorrow night. They're still trying to get one or two more players in and say they're still unsure who might be leaving. Stephen Craig and Ange says Christie and Ed are clearly are masters of their own destiny. Still a few question marks there. Absolutely, but I think the way the team are playing, the goals are scoring, the excitement and the energy and the buzz around Celtic Park may just make those players think again about leaving immediately, Rob. At least, you know, stay to the end of their contract, see where it takes them, see if uh, Celtic can get, you know, some success, whether it's in Europe, whether it's domestic, because it's a good time to be at Celtic um, and it's not something that you get somewhere else, you know, the energy and the vibe from other stadiums and other grounds. So you've got to think carefully about when you want to leave, if you want to leave. Stephen Cregan, Mark Guidi, Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday. With all that European football to come tomorrow night, well, tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening, Alashkert Rangers at four, uh, St. Johnson against Lask at seven, Alkmaar Celtic 7.15, Aberdeen Carabag 7.45. And it would be lovely to think all four will be still featuring in European football uh, come Friday morning. And of course, just four days away from Ibrox and the first meeting this season of Rangers and Celtic. Rangers have confirmed a COVID-19 outbreak has hit the club as they prepare for those two key matches uh, positive results were recorded with those deemed close contacts also self-isolating. The numbers affected, whether they're players, hasn't been disclosed. Uh, Rangers against Alashkert away, second leg of their Europa League playoff uh, tomorrow afternoon, followed by the Old Firm Derby on Sunday. Uh, Rangers said in a statement, uh, we followed best practice in our procedures and protocols uh, from the outset of the pandemic, Rangers has worked closely with the Scottish Government and Scottish football to ensure the health of our staff is protected at all times. We will continue uh, to do so. Uh, what we do know, Mark, is uh, the players who haven't uh, travelled today to Armenia, including manager Stephen Gerrard, uh, two goalkeepers in Alan McGregor and John McLaughlin, James Tavernier, the captain, Calvin Bassey, Ryan Kent, 
uh, Scott Wright, Fashion Sakala wasn't in the squad anyway, uh, John Lundstrom and Kemar Roof are suspended. Mm -hmm. So quite a few absentees. Yeah, it's a depleted um, squad, Rob. It's not the kind of squad that Rangers would normally want to take. So, I mean, uh, that said, the travelling party includes, you know, if you want to look at a starting 11, a really strong um, starting 11. So there should still be more than enough uh, for Rangers to get to go over the line um, again against Alice Cap tomorrow. I think you and I, Craig's came to the same starting 11. It's maybe not too difficult a job, to be honest, because it is a, you know, a, a much thinner squad than it would have been. Uh, Robbie McCrory is a certainty t to be in goals um, with, with McLaughlin and McGregor both out of it. Uh, Patterson, Goldson, Hillander, Barisic, Davis, Kamara, Arfield, Hadji, Aribo, Morelos. Not bad, is yeah, it? Yeah, which includes nine full internationals. So, irrespective of what's going on, and first of all, of course, we want to, you know, our thoughts to make sure the individuals who are affected by COVID-19 are fine and clear and are healthy and, and can make a full recovery. But with that side going out there, there's absolutely no excuses whatsoever for Rangers not to have enough in their locker to go to Alishkirt and win. If you can't go and win with that side, then they don't deserve to be in the group stages of the Europa League. That's the facts. That's the reason why they've built a strong squad, why Steven Gerrard wanted two players for every position. He didn't imagine he would lose six or seven players potentially at one time, but it shows that if they do, they still have a squad more than capable of going and competing and winning games. And, you know, there's quality right, uh, right through the squad. Score goals. Morelos is crucial to it. Arebo can play one up. Arfield, Davis and, and Kamara. I mean, that's as good a midfield as they could pick mm. with everybody fit. So... You know, listen, it's it's disrupted, of course it is, but I think all eyes will be on the goalkeeper. That's the one people probably will look at. He's 23 years of age. Yes, he's, he's played, what did I say, 80, 85 games in mm. the lower leagues, but still, you know, wanting to make his Rangers debut on such a big night. I think all eyes will be on him. Does it affect your thinking, Mark, about tomorrow, about the outcome for Rangers, the chance of Rangers progressing? I, I still think Rangers will do it, um, Rob. You know, you'd rather, for, you know, for sure, you'd rather have Alan McGregor in goals. That can be a serious blow. Robin McCrory is an able goalkeeper, but with the greatest respect to him, he's not at the standard of Alan McGregor. That's only natural that he's not going to be at that level. So that is a concern. That's something that Alice Carton may look uh, to play on. Other than that, you, know, you look at the outfield 10. Now, what we don't know is is how much is, is Sunday going to play on Stephen Gerrard. And obviously it's Gary, Gary McAllister who will be leading the way yeah. in terms of being out there. Um, that's a strong start in 11 that we've mentioned, but might they be tempted to leave two or three out with, with Sunday? Might it depends how serious the COVID situation, stroke injury situation is um, at the football club. But bearing that in mind, there's the guts of £10 million at stake tomorrow night. So if you win the tie tomorrow night, you're in the Europa League, guaranteed £10 million. If you don't, you drop down into the Europa Conference League, guaranteed £3 million. So there's a difference for around £7 million. So it's a, it's a, serious, it's a serious game tomorrow night and I think Rangers will do it. And, and in but prestige terms as well, yeah. I, mean, I was just going to say, you don't want to be on the slide, do no. you? You know, having targeted Champions League, the Champions League dream and yeah. all the money that was going to be forthcoming, and that's gone. You don't want to then slide another rung no, down don't. the ladder, do you? You don't. But also, you know, the finances will hugely come into it, as Mark's saying, because I think Rangers will want to be in Europa League group stages. Sunday will take care of itself once they get Thursday out of the way. I think all the focus has to be on Thursday. Once you start trying to cast an eye somewhere else, and take your eye off the ball. Players are fully aware. You know, if that's the 11 players we're talking about and suddenly three of those don't play, then you get other senior players thinking, well, you know, what are we doing here? We should be playing him. He's fit. So things, you know, can transpire against you. I think you've got to focus with the game in hand. 
and then manage Sunday as it comes along. If you didn't win your three points on Sunday, you've still got another 34 games to make that up. Whereas if you go out of the Europa League on Thursday night, unfortunately you're down into the Conference League and that's exactly, you know, you said it, that's where they don't want to be, Rob. Yeah. So we're talking Rangers and that massive disruption ahead of uh, tomorrow's game. We're talking, of course, Celtic, Aberdeen and St. Johnston as well, all involved in the European Games tomorrow uh, afternoon and evening. And of course, the big one at Ibrox Rangers, Celtic on Sunday. We'll be hearing from Ange Postacoglu in the course of the show as well. He had a media conference today. He's talking about transfer activity, uh, maybe in and out of the club. So all of that uh, uh, to come. Let's get Jamie involved in the conversation. Jamie's a, a Celtic fan. Hi, Jamie. Good, good evening, lads. Um, I've got COVID myself, so I thought I would phone up and cheer myself up. Um, it's regarding the Boranese game against Alvar. How does the lads think we're going to line up? Obviously, the back four probably remain the same like it's been uh, for several weeks now. The goalkeeper, Johar, who's a crack keeper, by the way, we've actually got a good goalkeeper for a change. Because normally they go to park it with a hundred heat every time they see back at it goals because they couldn't save in. So, how does the last thing we're going to line up if we're going to the front six? Because we've got that many attack options. We might, we might lose a couple of goals. Yeah. Well, let's let's get the let's get the reaction of the of the lads, uh, Mark uh, uh, and Craigs. We spoke about this on the show last night. In fact, the Celtic midfield to front are absolutely mm. frightening and flying at the moment. Uh, six goals against Saint Mirren on Saturday. Could have scored another six, and that was with Tom Rogic starting on the bench and James Forrest not involved at all. Oh. So, so lots of lots of choices to be made, and, and a lovely problem for Ange Postecoglou to have. They just look like they're so free scoring that as much as they'll be aware of Alkmaar will be better at home. You think they'll have more of the ball. The Celtic back line may have to defend a little bit more. Uh, Celtic probably won't get it all their own way as they have done in the previous five home games at Celtic Park where they've dominated most of the games from start to finish. But when you look at their attack and threat, you feel as if they will score in the game. There's no doubt they will score in the game. However... If Alkmaar get the first goal, Rob, I think it just changes the dynamic slightly. They don't want to be given Alkmaar the initiative early on. They don't want to be giving them momentum early on. So it's going to be all about trying to keep it tight and compact. And I just wonder how you will play. You know, as much as they want to play the inverted fullbacks, they want to play it from the back at every opportunity. Has the last five games been a little bit false at times because they've been so dominant and teams have really been pinned in? It'll be interesting to see if they start from the early stages of the game, rolling the ball out to centre-halves and inverted fullbacks in early on. Or will he just say, listen, let's play percentage football in the first 10 or 15 minutes. Don't allow them anything to come at us. If we can nick something, great. And then we'll manage the game as we go. But, you know, listen, Abada scored two at the weekend. You'd like to think he's going to play. David Turnbull's got five in what, mm. four games. You'd like to think he's going to play. Furuhashi, there's no doubt his best position is as an out-and-out number nine, the centre-forward. And if he's the one that Postacoglu thinks is on form scoring goals, he is, then he would have to play. It seems inconceivable that you wouldn't put odds in Edward in your team going away from home in a big European game. But uh, Furuhashi's taken his chance and went along. Rogic and Turnbull, if he's left Rogic out at the weekend, I would think that's in relation to going to play him on Thursday. So I think it would be Forrest, uh, Abada's the two wide players, Rogic and Turnbull in behind. McGregor's a deep line midfield player and Furuhashi's the number nine. Mark, what are you thinking? Uh, there's, well, Celtic are spoiled for choice. Um, up front, for, there's no doubt. And then centre midfield, you know, Rogic, Turnbull... McGregor, Sorrow, wide areas, Abada, 
Forest. There might be a temptation from Postacoglu to try Odson Edward out on the left-hand side, mm-hmm. uh, which he plays in there effectively, coming in onto his right foot, played out there at Ibrox one time and, and was outstanding through the hashes and all the things. So th- th- there's a th- there's the the option to to switch those two, as 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 Stephen said. Furuhashi is a centre forward. That's his best position. But but so is Edward. But Edward can move out to the left. Abada and Forrest an interesting one to see who would go for there. And then um, Turnbull because he got the hat trick on on Saturday might just get the nod. Um, but I would think that bearing in mind the result at the moment that Ange Postecoglou will pick a team tomorrow night with a wee bit of Sunday in mind more than Rangers will. Yeah, so I think that's what they he'll do. But it's a it's a dilemma. What a great, what a great but, but problem they have. I mean, yeah. really, as middle to front is is outstanding. It really is a quality there. Yeah, well, when mean, you we, think of last season, how one paced Celtic looked, and how flat and laboured it was in the final third. You know, people said they lacked penetration, probably because of no width. You know, James Forrest was out for long spells. Mikey Johnson was out. Uh, El Unissi wanted to play as an inverted kind of wide left. So they were relying on fullbacks continually to overlap. So there's no real spark about them. And then this season, suddenly, was it 24 goals in their last seven games, mm. which is you know a, a sensational turnaround. Just on the point about Edward on the left or Furuhashi, you would think away from home they will have to do more legwork going back the way. And which one of those two would be? I wouldn't say more up for, but which one would you kind of think would want to run back and match fullbacks? Furuhashi may cover the yards a little bit more going back the way than what Edward would. Mm. So if he is going to play the two of them. You know, he has that flexibility of changing them by putting Edward centre forward and Furuhashi on the left if it's not working, if that's the way he goes. It's also as well, it's a big night for Edward, Rob, in terms of putting himself in the short window. Between Thursday and Sunday, if he gets opportunities, that's his last time, window closes on Tuesday. Now he wants to try and create options for himself. Celtic need to sell him. He's got, you can't have him you know, running down his contract and only keep him for you. He can't dictate. So Celtic need to up the ante and get bids in for him. He needs to be more realistic with his wage demands and a move can happen. Um, slightly different with Ryan Christie. I think there's certainly an opportunity there to go into proper dialogue about an extension and maybe inserting a, a fixed fee for the summer, but extending his contract, but allowing him go for, for a certain amount. So I think there's an opportunity there to go and get that one over the line. But for Edward, this is a chance on uh, away from home in a proper football game, uh, which he will be judged which Premier League clubs and other big clubs around Europe will look at and judge him on with the greatest respect rather than judging him on Saturday against St Mirren or the previous week against the D they would look at him at this game tomorrow night so it's a chance for Edward to put a proper performance in and maybe get the move that he's looking for Let's find out what Andrew is saying in the course of uh, today's media conference about those two Christie and Edouard will they be staying? Will they be going? Uh, you know I said at the outset I'm not going to try and um you know, coerce or influence players to stay if they don't want to stay. But what I will do is treat everyone as if they are part of this football club as long as they are and provided they, you know, show the commitment to to what we want to do. And I think Ryan and, and Otson have been outstanding in that. I mean, you can't tell me that they look like players who um, don't want to be here. Irrespective of what their immediate, immediate future holds is that they're contributing every day, not just in games, they're training and you know, if that continues, I'd be delighted to keep them for as long as they want to stay here. But yeah, at the same time, they're all masters of their own future and, and their own sort of destinies. And I think it's important that they make these decisions um, that are good for themselves. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Will one or both of them be sold in the next few days or will both be kept on and maybe Celtic investing 
in uh, trying to win the title and uh, the many millions that that will bring with uh, an automatic route into the Champions League. Thanks to Jamie for that question, which got us talking about the the Celtic lineup, that dilemma, a happy dilemma for the Celtic manager. If you want to join the football chat, 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Yes, yeah, the Wednesday edition of the show. Rob McLean, Mark Greedy, and Stephen Cragen are here. You can be uh, joining us on the conversation as well. 0808 17 17 700. Uh, just heard from Ange Postacoglu before the break there. Uh, Crags, what were you reading into what he said about uh, about Christie uh, and Edouard? I mean, he is Mr. Communication, isn't he? You know, he tends to tell you it like it is. Didn't sound totally sure about what's going to unfold in the next few days regarding those two. No, because... Celtic have to make a business decision. If money comes in or there's a bid that comes in, Celtic have to take it into consideration because you remember, you know, they paid, what, £9 million odd for, for Odds and Edward, who was their record transfer in. So to just kind of write that off uh, is a little bit of a risk. But you said it yourself, Rob, the risk is they could go on and win the title, mm. which could guarantee Champions League football and anything between £30 and £40 million. So that's the, the balance that Celtic have to find. If someone comes in and makes a cheeky bid of four or five million pounds, you think to yourself, is it really worth it to accept that kind of money? Someone trying to be cheeky and smart about it or do you say, do you know what, we're putting this to bed, extend with us for the season, which gives clarity to the player, gives clarity to the club and gives clarity to the supporters that Odson Edward's going to be there. But I like how he talks about it, that he probably can't influence that as a manager. Mm-hmm. That's decisions above him. All he wants to know is that the players who are in the training pitch with him every single day, how the commit themselves to training, commit themselves to him as a manager and what the team are trying to do. And then when they get the chance to go and play, replicate that on the pitch. And I think he's spot on that the players have shown a hunger and desire and appetite during games. So he can't judge them out with that. Any other decision, business-wise or finance-wise, is above him. He won't try and convince them to stay because managers before have probably tried to do that and nothing's came off it. So he's just dealing with every single day and every single game. So I think it's very sensible management. More to come from Ange Postacoglu on the general transfer business. Will there be outgoings? Will there be incomings? Well, he certainly hopes so. One or two more he is thinking before the deadline, if that can be done. Alkmaar against Celtic in the Netherlands tomorrow evening, 7.15 kickoff. Earlier for Rangers in Armenia against Alashkert. That one kicks off at four. And of course, uh, the news this afternoon has been of disruption to uh, Rangers hit by a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, and certainly some key players, whether it be for COVID or another reason, haven't travelled. Let's talk to Sean, Rangers fan. Hi, Sean. Hi there, guys. How are you all doing? Hopefully everybody keeps safe with COVID-19 and empty at Rangers. Let's go out. Hopefully they make a speedy recovery. Yeah, well, I think we made a point of saying that as well, didn't we, early on? That That, that is the big concern that everyone... Uh, looks after themselves um, and and stays healthy. What what do you think, Sean, about the implications for for the game tomorrow? No, it's a bit concerning because also there's like a few players out, especially the goalkeeper. But do you know what? I, I've seen wee videos of McClory in games and that, and he looks all right. But it's a different matter when you come up against uh, uh, Europa League in the old firm game. But I wish the young boy all the best because this is his best opportunity. See. If he gets a clean sheet tomorrow and a clean sheet in the old firm game, he's a hero before Monday. 
Yeah, and he's got he's got experience in front of him, hasn't he? And Connor Goldson and, and Philip Hollander. That that would be Rangers' yeah. first choice central defence, I think. Yeah, he's he's got more than decent protection. He's got quality players, as you say, Rob, in, in, in front of him. But what you've got to remember too is the amount of saves that Alan McGregor's pulled off for Rangers. You know, I think over the, the three seasons that he's been there, he's been Steven Gerrard's best signing and Rangers' most I would say the most consistent performer um, over a period of time. What we also can't take for granted, um, Sean, is to remember that Alan McGregor and John McLaughlin it might not necessarily be COVID-related why they're not travelled. They might no. just be injured. So it's not, yes, Robbie McCrory will, will play tomorrow night, but we don't know if he's a cert to play um, on Sunday. But if it is the case where he has to play on Sunday, then it's certainly do him no harm to get a good game under his belt and um, help Rangers get through into the into the Europa League watched him play for Livingston a few times Rob he's, he's a very capable um, goalkeeper quite a confident lad by the looks of it yeah yeah he is he's, he's, he's capable he's a capable goalkeeper and I don't think Gary McAllister have any concerns about him being between the sticks um, tomorrow you would rather have Alan McGregor of course but um, McCrory's more than more than able so See, since he joined the club his aim has to be to play for Rangers as a young boy you think at nine or ten years of age when he joined the academy, his aim will have been to play for Rangers. So all the things he's been through, the loans, the highs, the lows, the mistakes, that's all part of his experience and waiting for his chance to come along. And sometimes as a goalkeeper, there's no ideal situation to put a young goalkeeper in. Sometimes it comes through mishaps elsewhere. And this has happened that Alan McGregor and John McLaughlin haven't travelled for one reason or another. So you have to be ready to take your opportunity. Can he catch the ball and kick the ball and, and, and his handling? He can do all the goalkeeping things, Rob. It's all going to be mental for him because he knows what to do. Rangers wouldn't have him on their books until the age of 23 if he wasn't a capable goalkeeper and able to do what they're looking for to do. And I think we have to judge him as Robbie McCrory and not as Alan McGregor or, or John McLaughlin. But ultimately, you know, he, he's waited for this moment. We've had him on the show, Rob. I think we spoke to him and he was called into the Scotland squad recently. Or sorry, one of the last Scotland squads. And he was a very accomplished speaker. He was confident in what he was doing. He was yeah. a dedicated professional. I used to see him in the gym when he was alone at Queen of the South and he was in every day before training and after training. He said you away. were very impressive as well. No, I certainly wasn't <laughs> doing what he was doing. So this is the moment for him to go and shine. But he has to make sure he's relaxed. He's in the right frame of mind because it's mind over matter sometimes when you think it's a big game, Rangers debut, and you get carried away in the whole euphoria of it all. He's got to focus on what he's good at. You know, and if he makes a mistake tomorrow night, it won't be through ability. It'll be through lack of concentration or a lack of nerves, or, or sorry, or nerves. That's what it boils down to when you play in big games. So he's ready for it. He knows he's ready for it. He just has to go and deliver it. We've got Sean on the show. We've got Craig on the show. Uh, another Rangers fan as well, Craig in Cumbernauld. Hi, Craig. Hi, Rob, Craig's and Mark. How you doing? What are you okay. think? What are you thinking, Craig? Uh, how worried are you about tomorrow? Yeah, I think for me, when you look at the the team and the kind of squad I imagine will, will play out. I think this has highlighted the importance of um, the strengths and depth we actually have um, as a squad because I think other than the goalkeeping issue, which you were touching on there, and look, I think Robbie McCrory is not a bad goalkeeper by any manner of means. You know, he wouldn't be the Rangers' number three if it wasn't. If this had happened last year, it'd have been Andy first, and with all due respect to him, I think I'd prefer Robbie McCrory. Um, so at least, you know, we know we've got somebody who has played in, in, in games in the, the SPL and stuff like that mm. so he's in, in, and played against Celtic before as well. Let's not forget when, when Livingston have drawn with him. So, you know, he's not terrible. And I think when you look at the rest of the squad, you're going to get a squad that will be similar to one that's probably featured at some point in an old firm game. So yeah. it shows you the strength. Uh, tomorrow, <clears throat> we should have more than enough there um, to, to see off Alistair. Of course, 
Celtic could be a worry because if you would rather McGregor there, um, if he's not, then there'll be McCrory. But in terms of, I think it's more in terms of getting people off the park tomorrow quickly if we can, if we can get a, a couple of goals and and get people rested. That's the most important thing because if we're going to be missing players come Sunday, then the rotation's not going to quite be as much as we'd like. So you don't want tiredness yeah. and fatigue peaking in because Celtic have only got a, a two three hour fight. You know we are. Thousands of miles away in Armenia. It's a long, old journey to do, yeah. and then compete again in twice, you know, forty hours. But I think, Mark, we we stress again, don't we, that 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 all we know is the players and the manager haven't travelled yeah. to to, to get that list of players. Um, you know, we don't, we can't make any assumptions about Sunday and availability. No, no, we we can't. We don't know. In terms of the manager, then you you, you know, you'd imagine there's, there's a, a COVID-related issue with the manager, whether it's isolation or whatever. But again. You know, we we are not privy to to why the certain players haven't travelled, and to be perfectly honest, Paul, unless the club want to tell you, unless the players want to tell you, it's none of your business. None of our business. You've got to respect uh, the right to anonymity when it comes to um, to health. So we might never know. Um, we might never know. But the bottom line is, you, you you got to work with what's there, and we can only talk about what is available. Um, and I said, you know, takes in there about trying to get a couple of goals up, and you know, just be mindful of of. Who Rangers are playing against, Craig, and the conditions, the heat tomorrow as well. And I think it's going to be one of those slog ones that could go to the 90 minutes. I think Rangers will get through. Do I expect them to be two or three goals up and, and cruising within an hour? No, I don't. I think it's one of those ones that could go that could go to the wire. Craig? Yeah, I think, it, well, I don't disagree with that, but I think because we're going over there with a goal advantage, I think all we really need, if we are 1 0 up on the night after, you know, 60, 70 minutes in all reality I don't see us shipping three goals um, so at that point I think it's the time of the day don't get me wrong listen one thing I would say obviously it's always a blow having players out and having your manager out but Celtic did this last season going into the first all firm game and I would say our squad's probably even with those players missing going to look a bit stronger than, than what Celtic's was last year so we can't handle it and I think having Gerard not there you know he's a good motivator for the players but I'm sure Gary McAllister and Michael Beale more than able deputies to get his message across to the players. Um, but yeah, as I say, I think we only need one on the night really to make it comfortable because they don't look like they could score three goals. They wouldn't need three though, they only need two, Craig, goal, yeah. to take it to extra time. Well, to take it to extra time, yeah, but then to me, I think, again, they offered, even when you were into 10 men, they offered, I'm not underestimating them, but they offered nothing at Ibrox. If we can see two goals to them, you know, even with Robbie McCrory and goals, I think we have to have a poor performance defensively, and we've got enough there in defence that we should be able to see see the game off comfortably. But you're right, Mark. I, I don't disagree. It could, you know, it's, it's stuffy conditions. You're in a country at, at all kind of heats, you know, in the middle of the afternoon. So it's certainly not going to be um, a cakewalk by any, no. any stretch of the imagination. Sean, I, I just think one goal would be yeah. enough to get us. I was going to bring back in, but, uh, Sean back in. When you look ahead to to Sunday, Sean beyond tomorrow, um, yeah. uh, there seems to be a feeling that the 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 complexion has changed in the last few weeks. Uh, Rangers have made a faltering start to the season. Uh, Celtic are at the moment winning games, scoring goals for fun. Do you, do you think the gap has closed and could be further closed? Of course, if there is further disruption to Rangers on Sunday. Of course the gap has closed. Uh, it's not going to be what I said I predicted last season. 
Rangers would win the league over 20 points and end up winning the 25 points. That's not what happened. That's probably a one half. It'll be a lot closer. I think it'll be down to maybe the last three or four games at the end of the season. You'll make a decision who's got to win the league. I, it could not. If you Rangers get a couple of injuries and Celtic keep improving, you could actually get another helicopter Sunday. I still fancy Rangers to win the league. I still think Rangers have got a stronger squad, but um, it's got to be a tough season, especially with um, COVID and all that. So fingers crossed we don't get any injuries and any illnesses and we can get through it. But it's got to be a tough game. But there's one thing tomorrow we're going to need to watch is we can't afford to take a set of time and go um, 48 hours into the old firm because that's 35 degrees, that's a lot to take out of football players for maybe three years of football, that's a lot of football in three years. Craig, has what's happened in the last few weeks changed your perception of the way this season is going to unfold for Rangers? Um, to be honest, you not not greatly in terms of, obviously the form has been disappointing, um, and I, you couldn't have predicted that, but I have always thought that it, it was never going to be as comfortable, I think, as some people would, would suggest, because I think we have to recognise Celtic are still Celtic. And I said it, you know, way back in pre-season when Ange Poster Colway was announced on, uh, or came on the show and said it, that you cannot underestimate what you don't know. Um, at the time, we didn't know what Ange Poster Colway was going to bring. We do, we now do know. And I think, you know, it makes for a very interesting tight season. Obviously, our form needs to pick up. I think on Sunday, you're going to see a few goals. I really do. I think the way both teams are, are defending and attacking, you could see a you know, a, a three-each draw. I don't think I would put it past something like that. So you, that's what you're going to get from Ange Postacog with Celtic. It's for us to keep mounting the pressure on them and ask questions because they've got inexperienced players who won't have played at this level before. So if we keep mounting pressure on them and asking questions of can they handle the heat that's the best way for us to get under their skin and, and win the league, I think. One big plus for Rangers, Crags, is Alfredo Morelos. Scored last Thursday that all-important goal to take to Armenia. Scored again uh, at the weekend. And how many times has he proved to be the player for Rangers on, on these European nights? Well, that's where he thrives. You know, he loves the responsibility. Uh, and, and being quite cynical, he knows if he's going to get a move, it's going to be based on what he does in European football. So that's why, for some reason, players, you know, I wouldn't say play above themselves, but it, it brings the best out in some players. And I think he thrives in being first choice. You know, the fact that Kimar Roof's not there, Sakala's not there, he's the only out-and-out striker. He will love that pressure and focus coming on him. He will love his teammates relying on him. But he is still the, the number one, isn't he? Whoever's around. Well, he is. But then, of course, then there's links with him being moved and bringing in Sakala. And it's in, you always have players in the periphery that you're trying to push and trying to get the best out of your you know, your senior players and your first-choice players. And I think that was the reason why Sakala was brought in, was to try and give Alfredo Morelos another little jag of saying, listen, we've got another player coming in here. He may take your position. Kim, our roof can play there also. So, yes, he's the number one striker, but, you you know, you have to maintain your levels. You have to continually play to that level. European football has been very good for him. Uh, and I would expect tomorrow night, with a little bit more space, you know, last Thursday night, Alice Kurt sat in, they were frustrated, uh, Rangers players that were compact tomorrow night the onus may be on them to open up a little bit more and it may just suit Rangers to have a little bit more space in attack a little bit more of a counter attack which they've done previously in Europe and they've thrived on that also so yeah listen he's a, he's a crucial player no doubt about it It's incredible we, we spoke about it on, on last night's show Mark with um, with Craig Moore and John Hartson that, that ever, since he arrived there have been constant question marks about when he would go when he was going to leave Rangers he's still there he's still such an important part of that machine. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought he would be sold um, 
Rob ahead of this transfer window would be away by by close of play of Tuesday. And of course, that's still a possibility, like we were saying with Edward as well. But the, the last information I heard was that he was open to um, to staying at Rangers. Caveat of that, of course, is a new contract and a wage rise, which is always um, the case. So that may suit both parties. Um, and it depends, again, what, what offers he's got. A, the Rangers get a bid that they accept and then give the player permission to go and speak to an interested party. But at the moment, they've not reached that that level. Any interest in Alfredo Morelos has been millions of pounds short of Rangers' valuation. So, But a lot can happen in, in four or five days, the close of the window. And um, the likes of Morelos... And, and Edward will be on the radar of many very, very good clubs around Europe. I'm not saying they would be top of the list, but once clubs start going round and, and centre-forwards are so hard to get, number nines, goal scorers, they're at a premium at the moment. So there may be interest for both clubs to, to, to consider, but I have a feeling that, that Morelos will still be at Rangers come the close of the window on Tuesday. Is that what you would want, Sean? Yeah, boss, I think he will say because Morelos is Linked, I think, in every single transfer since the day he arrived at Rangers yeah. a few years ago. I, I think he will sign. Do you know who else I think will sign, but not for Rangers? I think Edward will stay at Celtic as well. I think the two strikers will be still at uh, Ibrox and Parkhead this time next Tuesday. The other thing is, I think, um, Sean, is Morelos got two years to go mm-hmm. on his yeah, deal, so that there's, a, there's a big difference. You know, with Celtic, there is an urgency. To, to address it and if he can't get Edward to extend his contract which I don't think well, I don't think that's anywhere um, near on the agenda he, you know he's a financial asset of whatever you want to call it let's round it up to potentially around about £15 million you can't allow that just to dwindle down you know you can't allow him to go um, for nothing and just see out his time at the club Celtic need to try and create a bit of interest in, uh, in him and I think it's more likely that Edward would go because he's only got a year to go um, on his deal Craig and Sean th- thanks a lot for your calls good to have you on the show as ever looking ahead to uh, Alashkert Armenia uh, tomorrow afternoon it's 4 o'clock kick off and of course high noon at Ibrox on Sunday The Go Radio Football Show download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from 5 Here with Glasgow's own Go Radio the football show uh, between five and seven weekdays. We're on at the weekends as well, of course, covering all the top action. The big news uh, today is surrounding Rangers and the fact that Stephen Gerrard not on the flight to Armenia as uh, Rangers report a COVID-19 outbreak uh, today. No names uh, in terms of those affected. Um, no disclosures on that front. But what we do know is that uh, Stephen Gerrard wasn't on the flight. Gary McAllister led the squad to Alashkert. Uh, no Alan McGregor, no John McLaughlin, James Tavernier, Calvin Bassey, Ryan Kent, Scott Wright. None of them on that flight. Uh, Fashion Takala not in the squad anyway. Lundstrom and Roof are suspended um, so it's a thinner squad than it might have been going into that game tomorrow afternoon 4 o'clock for Rangers uh, against Alishkert 7 o'clock St Johnston against Lask 7.15 Alkmaar plays Celtic 7.45 Aberdeen uh, against Carabag and of course Sunday at 12 for the first Rangers Celtic meeting of the season. That is now just four days away. We'll be hearing more in the course of the show from Ange Postacoglu. Heard him earlier talking about Ryan Christie and Odson Edouard and their 
futures at the club, which still have a question mark hanging over them. Uh, more from him about uh, Alkmaar and uh, the hurdle facing Celtic as they target a place in the group stages of the Europa League. Uh, Stevie Clark, of course, named his squad yesterday for the upcoming uh, World Cup qualifiers and uh, celebrated uh, his own new deal as well, not just uh, leading Scotland, hopefully, uh, towards the World Cup in Qatar, but uh, he'll be in charge for the next round of Euro qualifiers as well. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Obviously, it's nice when, you, when your bosses think you've done a decent job and they give you a little extension. So it was nice to get that one put away. The little taste that we all got of the European Championships in the summer has, has made everybody a little bit excited for more. So hopefully we can deliver. Yeah, but Stevie, are you enjoying it? Yeah, it was quite. It was relatively straightforward. It took me a, took me a little while to get to grips with the, the the different aspect of the the national job. Recently, I've enjoyed it. If you if it's, if it's ever possible to enjoy the job, I've enjoyed it. It's a good challenge. I, it takes me out of my comfort zone a little bit at times, which is which is good. I like to challenge myself, and and like I said, hopefully we can get more success. I just imagined the mark almost smiling there, Stevie yeah. Clark. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, like, I think it's great news for Scotland that that continuity. Look, he did struggle with it, Rob, at the start. Um, you know, the, the adjustment to you know only seeing players every 10, 12, 14 weeks, whatever it may be. Then, of course, COVID hit, um, etc. But he settled in the job. I think being at the Euros and seeing what it meant to the country, you know, from Serbia onwards for the next six or seven months into the Euros, albeit it was a bit disappointing. But you know, he, he's got memories there. He's got a foundation to build on, and uh, also think that. Uh, the change in the background staff, um, I don't know much about Stephen Reid, but he stepped down. But Austin McPhee will be an asset. Mm-hmm. He'll be a real good uh, acquisition to, to Steve Clark's uh, backroom team. He was outstanding for Northern Ireland, helping Northern Ireland be successful under Mike O'Neill. So I think that's a good move. Chris Woods coming in, of course, a former Rangers goalkeeper taking over from, from Stevie Woods. But um, Austin McPhee is, is very skilled at international football and uh, I'm sure the Scotland squad will enjoy uh, working with him. That said, the three games next month, Rob, very, very difficult. Denmark and Austria away, Moldova at home. And I think to realistically keep in the hunt for qualification, Scotland need to take at least five points. They need, obviously, a win against Moldova and they need to try and um, nick two points away from home. Perhaps even might need to win um, in Austria when they look back. I think Stevie Clark's the first to say uh, that it was disappointing um, in terms of how things panned out for Scotland. Obviously, Wembley was the highlight. The two Hamden games, in terms of the outcomes, were a little bit disappointing, although you do see how well uh, the Czech Republic and Croatia did in the competition. But let's not forget, Scotland were there at a major tournament for the first time in in 23 years, Craigs. Absolutely. And I think once the players and the management and the supporters get a little feel for it, a little taste of it, they want a bit more. Um, You know, just by saying that, you know, if, if it'll be interesting to see if he sets his team up any different. If he looks at his younger players like Patterson and Gilmer and Turnbull, do they become regulars in the team? Does he think, well, you know, I want to try something different? Because I think it was the one thing, especially in the two home games, they lacked a cutting edge. You know, they had more chances at Wembley than they had at their two home games and you would have expected it to be the other way around. So you just wonder, does he add a little bit more attacking flair? Does he play a little bit more open? Putting the young ones in, the Turnbull scoring goals, Patterson... You know, we'll get a chance to play tomorrow night. We'll possibly get a chance to play on Sunday in the Old Firm game. So he'll be ready to come in and play. Stephen O'Donnell hasn't played for a couple of weeks. Billy Gilmer, you'd imagine, will go straight back into the team. So sometimes, as much as you're changing the backroom staff and you're changing everything else, a little change in your system, a little change in your players and your personnel, suddenly it perks everybody up. Players who have been regulars over the last couple of seasons are thinking, oh, 
someone's here to take my place. So then they try and raise their game. So I think it's about getting the balance right, having enough experience within, but allowing younger players to go and play with the freedom and see if you can bring a little bit more of an edge to Scotland, see if you can score more goals. I know it's not normally in Stevie Clark's way of thinking when you look at how he worked with Kilmarnock. There's no surprises in the squad, really. Lewis Ferguson coming in for the first time. Um, that will certainly be good for his development, good for his experience. But I would just like to say make a few tweaks and, and, and just let the boys go forward a little bit more. Xander Clark was on the show last night, right at the top of the show, uh, having been uh, called up one of the the new names in the squad, Liam Kelly's been in a squad before but uh, hasn't played as yet. Uh, the Motherwell keeper alongside Xander Clark and Craig Gordon, the goalkeepers, Liam Cooper, Declan Gallagher, Grant Hanley, Jack Hendry, Scott McKenna, Stephen O'Donnell, Nathan Patterson, who Craig's just mentioned, Andy Robertson, who's just struck that new deal at Liverpool, Greg Taylor, Kieran Tierney, uh, the defenders in midfield, Stuart Armstrong, Lewis Ferguson, uh, picked on his 22nd birthday, in the full squad for the first time, Billy Gilmore uh, getting games with Norwich at the moment. John McGinn, Callum McGregor, Kenny McLean, who scored for Norwich uh, last night in the League Cup. David Turnbull, his hat-trick for Celtic at the weekend. Che Adams, starring against Manchester United at the weekend. Ryan Christie, uh, question marks about his future, no question marks about how well he's playing at the moment. Lyndon Dykes, James Forrest back in the Celtic scene, back in the Scotland scene as well. Ryan Fraser looking to get games with uh, Newcastle. And Kevin Nisbet of Hibs, still lots of transfer talks surrounding him at the moment. Is that a squad, Mark, that excites you? Yeah, it's a good squad, uh, Rob. You know, you know what you're getting and including Lewis Ferguson, I think it's a good one um, too. I think uh, if he puts a transfer speculation to bed as well, I think what he needs to do this season is going to have a right good season that, that's what, that's definitely in his locker having Scott Brown as well will be a big it'll be a positive influence on him and this time next year Lewis Ferguson can get the move um, that he deserves um, and you mentioned the two goalkeepers obviously there's a, a new regime going in there with a new goalkeeping coach Xander Clark and Liam Kelly again both very good goalkeepers Xander Clark turning it on in European football in Galatasaray and in, in Austria last week he was man of the match so uh, no concerns there. Craig Gordon, an excellent number one. Um, could actually have been the number one during the Euros. Mm. Um, but David Marshall got the nod and uh, got the nod, and there was nothing wrong with that either. David Marshall, very good goalkeeper. So we'll wait and see. Che Adams is always the one for me that having that focal point. Um, as you say, scored against Man United, albeit it was a deflected goal. But um, yeah, but we're, we're good, uh, Rob. But I have to be honest, looking at the fixtures and what we've got in the bag just now, I, I think it's, you know, Heavily stacked against Scotland for, for qualifying for Qatar. But um, we'll have a right good idea of where we stand um, come the uh, the 7th of October and the third game Austria away. That'll be the three games over by then and we'll have a clearer picture. Are we in the hunt? Are we out the hunt? But hopefully they'll still be in it and still have a right good chance. It's been a while since we've seen a squad uh, without David Marshall in it. David Marshall, who was my number one, has had a tough... Tough time at Derby. He's found himself as, as the number three goalkeeper. Don't want to comment too much on the politics of whatever of that decision. Spoken to David, he's disappointed not to be involved, but he fully understands why he's not involved in this camp. Listen, if he gets himself a move before the end of the transfer window, or if he gets back involved with, with Derby County, David would be straight back into my thoughts, no doubt about that. And John's got a little issue at Rangers, and Rangers told us he wasn't available, so John misses out as well. It's a great chance for, for Liam and, and Xander to step up and impress the new goalkeeping coach. Speaking there about John McLaughlin, of course, of Rangers. There's always a lot of talk about who might have been in it. And, and maybe that tells us what happy place we're in at the moment because it's not a short list of players uh, that could be battering on the door to get in as well. And he was asked, Stevie Clark, about uh, John Suter of Hearts and, of course, Celtic's Tony Ralston. 
Yeah, great to see Big John back and doing well for Hearts. I think for John, is a case of letting him settle in, get a run of matches and, and, and keep improving on his, his game and his fitness. I like John. I like him as a player and I like him as a person. Tony Ralston's come into the Celtic team and, and done great. He's, he's one of the ones that's really benefited from the, the new style of playing for Celtic, the, the, the way they're playing. But I think for Tony Ralston, it's, it's a case of continuing that and, and seeing if he can keep, keep in the team or stay in the team for a prolonged period of time. In fact, you've got a fair old list of full-backs there, Craigs, of, uh, of who could be yeah. uh, competing for that position. First of all, I think Tony Ralston's a little bit unlucky. You know, when you pick players on form, and I think he's probably been the most improved player under Ange Postacoglu. It came from absolutely nowhere. People thought he was just filling a jersey, giving them one-year contracts just to try and fill a gap. But he's absolutely taken his chance. He's getting better week on week. His energy, just his appetite, proving people wrong. But you're right, when you look through potential fullbacks. In the years to come, you look at Josh Dog and Aaron Hickey, who people forget about, who's who played on Sunday against Salernitana for uh, for Bologna. Uh, Calvin Ramsey at Aberdeen, who you've watched a lot. Jack McKenzie, left back at, at Aberdeen. And of course, Nathan Patterson and, and Tony Ralston. Uh, Adam Montgomery, another one at Celtic, who yeah. played left back for them. So there's a real plethora of, of fullbacks coming through. But then you look and you've still got Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson, mm. who are in their mid-20s, or Andy Roberts is just about 26, 27. So you're suddenly thinking, where do these guys get in? You know, the argument over the years has been, I saw it last week, we spoke about it, didn't we, that the argument's always been, how do you get Tierney and Robertson into the team? I think in years to come, it could be, how do you get Calvin Ramsey and Nathan Patterson into the team? Because I think Calvin Ramsey is going to be that good, Rob. So it's nice for Steve Clark to look below his squad and think there's some good young players coming in. If they can get themselves to 50 games, 100 games, you really find out all about them and see where they are. And it was also nice for him to mention John Suter. I think John's had a really tough time. Showed great resilience to continually come back from injuries. And I think he's not too far away from Scotland Collar. Yeah, he does look pretty commanding at the moment, doesn't he, John Suter? And that would it would just be a tremendous ending to that recovery story if he gets his Scotland place back. Yeah, it'd be great, you know, first and foremost, you know, concentrate on, on hearts and helping hearts to continue uh, their run. But, you know, more than, than anything, he's a really nice fella, John Suter, and he doesn't deserve what he's been through in terms of, of his injuries. And um, you, you want to see... Um, a nice ending to, to something like that and there's no doubt that he's in Steve Clark's thoughts and if he can put together another run of games um, over the next five or six weeks Rob then I think we can um, see him being involved in the Scotland squad for the games at the start of October Let's have the news at six and another hour of football chat The Go Radio Football Show talking football first Listen live weeknights from five Well the big games keep on coming don't they for massive matches in the course of tomorrow afternoon and evening for the four Scottish survivors in the European competitions Alice Kurt against Rangers in Armenia at four Rangers depleted of course uh, seven o'clock in Perth St Johnston against Lask it's going to be another big crowd at McDermott Park for that one can uh, Callum Davidson and co continue this amazing European adventure 7.15 in the Netherlands Alkmaar against Celtic Light Rangers looking to reach the Europa League group stages and for Aberdeen it's the conference that they are aiming at like St Johnston 7.45 at Petodri they play Karabag from Azerbaijan looking for a place in group stage football for Aberdeen for the first time in 14 years and of course we're just four days away from the big one at Ibrox on Sunday Rangers against Celtic for the first time this season and uh, we will have our show of course Paul Cooney Barry Ferguson and Davy Proven will be here from half past 11 till 3 
on Sunday right across the big game. So Rob McLean, Stephen Craig and Mark Guidi uh, in the studio. 0808 17 17 700 if you want to get in touch. Uh, you can text GO on your message to 874 74 on the socials at Go Football Show. Let's get Sean into the discussion as well, a Celtic fan. Hi, Sean. Hi there, how are we doing? We are, Hi, I think I can safely say for the three of us, we're well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well, thanks. Can't complain. Good man. What are you thinking about uh, tomorrow night, uh, Alkmaar? Oh, I think it'll be a tough game. I think it's a massive, massive week coming ahead for, this, for Celtic. I think it'll be a massive indicator just to see how far the team have came since the Michelin results and the result at Tynecastle. But I'm confident that we can score over there and I feel as if we score over there, I can't see us shipping three or four goals. So I think the main thing is get a goal and then I think we'll be comfortable through. What do you think about Ange? I think he speaks well. I think he's a breath of fresh air compared to what we had to endure last season. I just think he speaks so well. He's he's a no-nonsense type manager and he's brought in some amazing, amazing talents and he's also getting the best out of players that were very, very lacklustre last season and a lot of them just didn't look interested. It looks as if he's, he's he revitalised a lot of players. As you say, that squad. yeah, as you say, Sean, he is great listening. Uh, and I loved his answer today when he was asked um, about the approach uh, for that game tomorrow night uh, against Altmore. Maybe Celtic will, will sit back and defend. Maybe not. Yeah, I think that's the best I, approach yeah, for I us. I mean, if we go there and try and defend for 90 minutes, um, you know, I just think you're asking for trouble. They're a good team and at home they, they're... They're going to be playing you know, fairly high tempo and high intensity football to to score goals. And I think if we sit back, we're just going to invite uh, pressure on ourselves. So I think our best football is going the other way going forward. And if we score goals, it puts more pressure on the opposition. So, um, yeah, we won't change our approach. I think it's it's kind of the best strategy for us. Sitting back, Sean, is just not a thing, is it, for the Celtic manager? No, definitely not under Ange. But we've seen even though the first leg, the 60,000 there roaring is on and you've seen how AZ Altmar started the, the first half. The first 10 minutes, we were we were hands behind our faces, nail-biting. They, they, they hit the post. Joe Hart makes a great, great save onto the post. So you know that we're going to have to ride the luck, especially over there. All their fans are going to be there. There's not going to be any Celtic fans there. I think if we get through the first maybe 15, 20 minutes, hopefully I've not conceded. We can grow it into the game and maybe hopefully counter-attack them and get, get that goal that's that's badly needed to, to kill off the tie. Mark, it's incredible the change in outlook among Celtic fans in the space of just a few weeks, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, I think there's two main reasons for that. One is, is Furuhashi. Second one is Joe Hart. Um, you know, the, the addition of Joe Hart has been massive uh, for Celtic. They've got a goalkeeper in now that can make big saves at, at big moments. Um, Callum McGregor has really stepped into the captain's role very, very well. He's got that that leadership so you look at all those ingredients it's been good uh, Tony Ralston as well who's managed to take on the, the right back berth but I think with Ange Postacoglu you're right I love the way he speaks Raw we're good to listen to kind of guy he'd love to go and have a pint with or a mm. coffee with and, and, and let's listen set, to him he doesn't doesn't mess about and the other thing as well that he does do behind the scenes he puts demands on his backroom staff first and foremost they've got to show him that they are worthy of being part of his setup, and then he feels that that breeds, uh, showing that 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 goes works its way into the, the the dressing room, and and I think the likes of Stephen McManus has been an excellent addition, um, to the backroom staff, um, as well. I think he's a, he's a real conscientious coach, 
works very hard at what he does and uh, is enjoying his role under uh, Ange Postacoglu. So the, to go to the game tomorrow night, the onus is on Altma and they yeah. will come out the blocks. Unless I'm mistaken, Rob, they didn't have a game at the weekend. Uh, the, the Dutch League allowed them to take a rest weekend for pre for preparation for this. So um, in some ways that's good. In other ways, I've only got two competitive games under the belt. Um, both have been defeats. So um, they'll be up for it they'll be ready they did cause Celtic some problems but I think overall um, I'm not overconfident for Celtic but I'm quite relaxed that Celtic will go through How big a factor Crags do you reckon is uh, the direct communication that we get from Ange Postacoglu that the players presumably will get as well he tells it like it is he's probably not difficult to understand in terms of what he's after do you know what? I had listened to a podcast the other day, and I'm going off on a tangent, but I listened to a podcast the other day of Paul McGinley, and he spoke about when he was captain of the Ryder Cup team. And he said he was very conscious of what he said in the press because his Ryder Cup team would be listening and it would feed back. And the message he's given across from the press, Ange Postacoglu, it has to be very similar to what he's telling the players. It, you know, his openness, how relaxed he is, how honest he is, giving a fair assessment of things. Because you can't, you know, give players mixed messages. There's no point in getting in tell him that they're struggling, they're poor, or think he's not happy, and then go to the media and make it all nice. So I think he's found the balance of realising every time I speak, my players are going to be listening to what I say. And the message he's putting across is impressing everybody. So it must be impressing his players ever some more. And I said last week in the programme that he hasn't had a lot of coaching time in the pitch, Rob. When you consider the amount of games they've had yeah. and the limited time between games, a lot of the time you're just recovering. So your analysis has to be spot on, which backs up Mark's point of challenging your staff, making sure your staff have covered every single bit of detail so you can give it to the players. You may have to walk through a session and talk and, and do move mannequins and move people because you can't get uh, players running about the pitch because you're saving energy. PowerPoint presentations have to be ideal. Your video analysis has to be good so you can break it down. And that comes through experience. That comes through years and years of doing it and fine-tuning it and getting the message across to the players. So he's quite clearly good at that. And then having the communication skills to put that across to your players so they understand it and you break it down where they think, right, I get you. And then go into the pitch and carry it out. And that's just a process that keeps going and going and going. So, you know, you can't help but be impressed with everything. Maybe the last five games at home at Celtic Park, I wouldn't say they've given false hope, but they've given hope that, you know, if there was a couple of tough away games in there, you know, maybe the optimism wouldn't be where it is. But when you're optimistic, when momentum's there, players just want to play the next game. They can't wait to play. But I think tomorrow night will be a different challenge. You'll have to absorb some pressure which will then test the rear guard of the team as opposed to always being attack-minded. I love, uh, Sean, I love this answer from Ange as well today, just about what this uh, Europa League qualifier tomorrow night represents. Have a listen. I don't think the end goal for us is just qualifying for group stages of Europa League, but that's what's in front of us now. I mean, I was disappointed we didn't get through the Champions League um, first stage, and this is the next opportunity for us to guarantee ourselves some, you know, some opportunities for some big European nights, take on some of the biggest clubs in Europe. You know, it's not an end goal. It's more, well, you know, this gives us an opportunity to try and build something special for this year and beyond. So it's an important fixture because of that. And players, are, I think, are looking forward to that, to that sort of contest where you know that, you know, you get through it. That opens up more possibilities to, to do something special. I love that feeling that that this is this is what Celtic have got in front of them, Sean. Tomorrow night, it's yep. it's qualifying for the Europa League, but that ain't the be all and end all, and it shouldn't be the be all and end definitely all for a club like Celtic. What do you think? No, definitely, it just shows how much he's 
he's got such high standards. It feels that Celtic plus Rangers, both teams, they might not have um, Champions League level squads at the minute, but they're both Champions League level teams, and that's where they deserve to be. That's where they should be. Every single day, three games at home, the stadium's absolutely rocking. That's where that's where the two teams need to be, definitely. So he's putting that message out there, and his players will have taken that on board. He won't have to go back into his dressing room and reaffirm that message to the players. Because that's already sunk in that, yes, we want to get there. That's where we want to go. That's the next step. But we want to go and see if we can continually push the boundaries. And that's a great way of telling his players, don't just be happy with this because we've got bigger things that we want to go and try and achieve. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's great yeah. communication uh, from a club that maybe was struggling to communicate for a long time. Um, yeah. po post Neil Lennon, um, get Mark's thoughts on this uh, as well, that, that there really wasn't a lot coming out of Celtic. Was there as a club... Uh, when there was these, when it was the long wait allegedly for yeah. for Eddie Howe, and it never happened, and then suddenly uh, Ange Postecoglou cropped up, and and most people didn't have a clue who he was. Now communication, Mark, couldn't be better. Well, from the manager, yeah, communication couldn't exactly. be better. But, but there was a nervousness and a fragility about Celtic for eight nine months, um, Rob, and then they were waiting on on uh, Eddie Howe. Obviously, they didn't want to say anything. He wasn't going to say anything, and then it, it became a bit of an embarrassment. Um, for Celtic, uh, what what happened with that? They quickly moved on to Postecoglou, um, and you know he didn't get off to the best possible start. But he spoke well. There was something about him. He thought this guy might be able to do something. Mm -hmm. And so far, you can only show that that he is able to do something. But it's very early uh, days. And um, look, the other thing as well about communication, Rob. If you take the manager um, out of it in terms of from the the football club, the leadership at the football club, there's not been a lot of communication. No. Um, you know, apart from the day that Ange Postecoglou was was unveiled and, and Celtic did the, the, the rounds with the media and Don Mackay and the fan media. Um, so but they, that's are, where are, results, are, sorry, that's where wins. Yeah. They, they can, you know, it can be great. It can also cover up a multitude of sins, but it's fine. As long as Celtic's winning, fans won't care. And it's the same at every club. As soon as you start, you know, having a couple of do dodgy results, all of a sudden it's, where's Don Mackay? What's going on? Mm. You know, why is Ryan Christie not signed a new contract? Where's the other centre-half? Where's the left-back? The right-back's not good enough. And all of a sudden you start getting, you know, yeah. you start getting questions. But as long as they're winning, the manager's more relaxed, the players are more relaxed, and the fans are happy. Because there are questions still unanswered, aren't there, Sean? Like, like, Where's the director of football? Where's the head of recruitment? Yeah, Where yeah, you know, the, exactly. the, that nothing much in that regard. Oh, I mean, when, when was the last time but, you heard a negative comment well, about why John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan on the backroom yeah, stuff? Yeah. When was the last time you heard a negative yeah. comment? So, so yeah, presumably, a lot, a lot, in the, a lot of people in the Celtic hierarchy are rubbing their hands at the moment because, the, because the obviously, managers the, the bailing them out. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the results on the pitch are good. That six straight wins, twenty-four goals, but also the fact that that Andrew Postecoglou is dealing with everything head-on as manager, um, and maybe that Sean camouflages, uh, you know, as Mark says, a continuing lack of communication at the top level. Yeah, there's still very much communication problems from top to bottom within the club, but the way that the team are playing and Ange seems to be just taking every single bit of pressure off everybody above him in that board because the, the the silence is deafening from the top to the bottom still to this day. But as you guys are saying, because we're winning, we're winning emphatically, we're playing such attractive football, off-your-seat type football that we didn't see one tiny game last season. The fans are happy and that's pretty much it. But there's also as well, Sean, I don't know if you agree, the signings look really good so far. You know, Furuhashi, you know, identified by the manager, you know, yeah. um, brilliant, Abada, um, 
brilliant Starfelt I'm, I'm sure he'll come good Johan Mialbi raves about him so I'm sure he, he will um, uh, yeah, come good yeah. the goalkeeper obviously Joe Hart but I'd like to think for Celtic bear in the mind that they've, they've got a good squad but they've not got a great squad yet they are lacking depth no definitely there should be money spent. They shouldn't be waiting on to see what happens with Edward in terms of bringing in another couple of players for other areas of the team. You think of what the Celtic fans have pledged, the season ticket money. If you just look at this calendar year, the money that's been brought in um, for Frimpong, for Hendry, for Bayo, for Ayer, and then you look at what's been spent, you know, um, the net spend is, is next to nothing. And again, yep. you know, the Celtic fans once again have backed the club with around a 30 million quid pledge over the, the course of a two or three instalments between now and the end of the season. So you'd like to think if the manager wants another couple of players, it shouldn't be dependent on on, uh, on Edward going to, to raise the money, the money. The money you'd like to think would be there to go and strengthen because you don't want to miss the boat. If things are going well, you want to build on that. You don't want to rest in your laurels and think that everything's great. And that's the, the negative side of now, Rob, to things going so well, yeah, it is going well just now. Might be going great come tomorrow and come Sunday. But then you've got a long, hard season ahead. You've got a European campaign and maybe 15 to 20 domestic fixtures to fit in between now and January. So you don't want to undo the good work by thinking that everything's great. And things are thin defensively, Craigs, aren't they? Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, most of Celtic's play is, is heading in a very positive direction at the moment, which maybe camouflages the fact that they are they are thin. Are they good enough defensively would be one question. But they certainly need reinforcements in that area, don't they? Well, I think bringing Juranovic in, you know, certainly gives Tony Ralston, you know, it gives him a challenge, but it also brings a bit of freshness to that area of the pitch. A left-back is a necessity also mm. to give Greg Taylor because, you know, those two guys have played, I think, every minute of the league season and the, the European adventures. So there's only so long you can keep plugging out the same people. And another centre-back? Centre-half. I, I think they need a more dominant one. I think they need an, you know, an experienced one in and around 30 who's been around, who's played 400, 500 games, you know, has played experience in European football. And there's no better time for Celtic to go and try and attract players when if you're a player thinking, do you go to Celtic, do you not? The vibe, the atmosphere, the noise, the love coming from the fans again. Everybody seems united and headed in the one direction. If you're a player thinking, do you go to Celtic or do you not? In your back of your mind, you're thinking, that's where I want to go and play. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of something good moving forward. There's a manager there who knows what he's doing. He's getting the best out of players. And that's the key. He's improving players. Brendan Rodgers came in when he first took over at Celtic mm. and he improved players within months, didn't he? And I think Ange Postacoglu is doing the same maybe not to the same level, and, and he's probably working with lesser players than what Brendan Rodgers had, but he's improving players as they go. You, you can see everything coming together nicely for him. Mm. So, if you're a player thinking, do I come to Celtic or not, Ange Postacoglu would certainly you know, persuade you to go there. And Tom Rogic, Sean, is one shining example of a player who looked as if he was on the way out at Celtic, who, who, yeah. who suddenly seems like a, a, new, a new signing. Definitely. The man just oozes class at the minute. It's just, he's been revitalised. He's just playing. He's, he's effortless. The way he's playing, it's all the Celtic fans are saying, and I couldn't agree more. He's playing with a cigar in his mouth and slippers on his feet. He just, he just glides with that ball. Yeah. Just, nobody can get it off him. So, what are you thinking then uh, about tomorrow night and about Sunday as well? Uh, well, tomorrow night, I feel that it, it would be very, very important to kind of keep this unbeaten run going. I can, I definitely can see us conceding tomorrow. I can't see us keeping another clean sheet against them. I would probably say my heart says two one, but my head's saying my head's saying probably two each. I think I think yeah. I think we could get the draw. You I can't really see you can't really see Celtic not scoring, can you? At the moment, no, definitely not. No, I think, and I think if we scored first, then it could be a completely different game. I think that would take the wind out of their sails completely. 
But if they had to score first, they maybe even go, go two up, and we'd maybe have to try and obviously come out the traps and get a goal. But no, I feel as if I feel as if we'll still go through regardless, but we will score. And so you, I'll go to each. And your feelings about Sunday will have changed rather dramatically, I'd imagine, as well. Well, I was thinking that myself when I first heard about it, but then I've seen a lot of things on, on the social medias about certain players that are going to be out and aren't, uh, that, that will be playing. And I've got a list of them here. And the players that are still being mentioned that will be playing are Barisic, Hollander, Goldson, Patterson, Davis, Kamara, Aribo, Hadji, Roof and Morelos. That's practically a full squad. So Arfield as well. Yeah, Arfield yeah, as well. Roof can't play those shots. three big ones. Roof, roof suspended tomorrow. Oh, is he suspended yeah, as well? Suspended. Yeah. yeah. So the only big ones are Alan McGregor and Ryan Kent, really. Yeah. And, and Tavernier. But Andrew would say concentrate on what you're doing. Concentrate, concentrate oh, yeah. on the pluses of your team. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. Are... I feel as if we can go to Ibrox and score and keep. We can't stop scoring at the minute, so yeah. it'd be nothing better to go there. We're going to go 60,000 of or 50 odd thousand of them. There's going to be none of us. We're just going to have to suck the pressure up and, and hit them on a counter attack. And hopefully, we, we can defend well, defend as a unit, and get the three points. Happy days. Good to have you on the show. Cheers, Sean. All the best. Thanks, Thanks, Sean. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. The Go Radio Football Show on a Wednesday and in less than 24 hours, Rangers will have kicked off against Alashkert in Armenia. Uh, quite a few key players not on that plane that left today, uh, none more so than uh, manager Stephen Gerrard. So Gary McAllister is in charge on the day, of course, that Rangers have confirmed that they've been hit by a COVID-19 outbreak. The number affected, the names involved, haven't been uh, disclosed, but not on that flight, as well as the manager, uh, were Alan McGregor, John McLaughlin, James Tavernier, Calvin Bassey, Ryan Kent, Scott Wright, uh, Fashion Sakala, not in the squad, uh, John Lundstrom and Kemar Roof suspended. What, what uh, did um, Michael Beale travel? Was Michael Beale? He did. He did there was yeah, some, yeah. some rumours that he hadn't, but there was pictures of him at the airport, so yeah, I think so he, he has, has travelled. So that's four o'clock uh, tomorrow afternoon, St Johnston. Uh, seven o'clock, uh, St Johnston against Lask, of course, 1-1 from Austria. 7.15, Celtic two up against Alkmaar, uh, heading for the Netherlands uh, tomorrow evening. 7.45 is the last of the four games with Aberdeen shooting for a place in the group stages of European football. They are one down from their game in uh, Baku on that cabbage patch uh, last week against uh, Karabakh, who might be confused by a flat and green <laughs> playing surface at Pataudry uh, tomorrow night. Ange Postacoglu, we're hearing plenty from him in the course of the show. Um, he's been giving Rangers a pat on the back, saying they did the right thing uh, by issuing those indefinite bans uh, to fans who racially abused Celtics Kyogo Furuhashi. Social media footage, of course, emerged on Sunday of fans chanting a racist song um, about Kyogo following a Rangers investigation. The supporters club that the fans belong to uh, will no longer be receiving match tickets. And uh, today, Ange Postacoglu was asked, how is Kyogo? He's a really positive character he, he's he's really enjoying his time here um not just the football but living here in a new country and the new experience and you know when 99 percent of your experience is overwhelmingly positive you know that one percent 
I hope anyway, because like I said, I feel responsible and protective of him that it doesn't affect his his overall outlook. Easy for me to say, it's not, you know, hasn't been directed at me. He's he's training well. He's you know, he's a very ha- happy sort of natured guy, and the club supported him. People are constantly asking him if he, if if he's okay. The players are certainly around him, and and he's been good. You know, he understands that you know this is not reflective of his experience here. Pretty embarrassing uh, episode uh, all round, but uh, Rangers pretty quick and pretty decisive. Mark. Yeah, yeah, they were. They acted quickly, and and they had to. You know, they had to to show. Uh, leadership set an example um, and they did uh, do that they didn't mess about and um, you know other people involved at the Rangers supporters club you know stood down as well which was um, admirable um, of them too but it, you know, it just didn't reflect well on, on Scotland as a as a nation and I said in the programme on Monday Monday night Rob you know um, the Japanese people are, are lovely and I was fortunate enough to spend a month there during the World Cup in 2002 and it was a brilliant experience made to feel very welcome great people you remember yourself mm. then when Nakamura came to Celtic you were a Japanese journalist and you know saying again that you know a couple of them have stayed on in Scotland one of them still a member of the football writers uh, Fumi Nakabuchi and, and different people so it was a shame that it had to, to come to that but thankfully it's been dealt with and the positives that Furuhashi has had in, in, in Scotland so far will outweigh the negative and he's got so much internal support and I love that quote there again from Ange Postacoglu I feel responsible I'll protect him I'll be there from him and that's what you want to hear from your manager once again it's great leadership and it's a great message to send out to the whole football club it's not the way we want to be perceived is it as a as a nation as a as a people and it is a small minority uh, but it is immensely damaging um, to to think our image and and I guess what what's what's heartening about the the the, the quick and the tough punishment is that maybe self-policing can take over from here uh, and that it doesn't get as far uh, as as some video footage I thought Andish I don't know if you have it on your clip but he had said that you know he doesn't believe that Rangers made the decision you know because it was Celtic or because it was anything else not to impress anyone they made it because it was the right thing to do I just don't understand you know people whether it's racism, whether it's bigotry, I don't understand what goes through their mind and what they think they're achieving by doing it, by filming it and, 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 and you know, making a mockery of people. I, I just don't understand what goes through their head. And, you know, education's another thing, but adults know what's right and wrong, Rob. Mm. Adults, any sensible adult knows what's right or wrong, what you should and shouldn't say, and be respectful towards people. That's all you ask for. Do the right thing. We all know right or wrong. So, you know, there's no protecting them whatsoever, and I'm glad Rangers made the decision. And Angela, Ian... Uh, yet again, showing incredible leadership with how he's dealt with it. He mm. doesn't want a, a mass investigation all over papers and everyone talking about it for weeks and days on end. You know, he understands it's it's from a handful of ignorant people who just don't understand how to conduct themselves uh, and, and support a football club and go and, and actually admire a young man playing football because you have to say he's been an absolute breath of fresh air. He's, he, he, you know, I think single-handedly at the start, he lifted Celtic, he lifted supporters, He's united people. He's playing with the freedom. He's not playing with any kind of burden of last season or what's going on. He's just coming into play as football and he loves it. And I think the, his teammates are thriving off it. So we should be admiring these people. Yes, you know, it may be a rival for some people, but it doesn't mean to say that, you know, you can't admire them as a football player and and and, and look at their strengths. And, you know, he's a wonderful talent. He was asked today, Ange uh, Postacoglu as well, um, about whether James Tavernier, I mean, James Tavernier might... It's, 
might not be there on Sunday, depending on his availability. Of course, he's not um, in Armenia at the moment. But whether uh, a Rangers representative uh, should be going to Kyogo on Sunday, as Scott Brown did, of course, previously uh, when uh, Glenn Kamara um, was caught in the middle of uh, of racist abuse. And this was the Celtic manager's reaction to about what should happen, if anything. The players didn't do this. The, the, the players of Rangers are not responsible for this. The players, every game, show their support. They take a knee every game. It, it's clear what's right and wrong. Now, people are choosing to do the wrong thing. They're not going into an area which is uncertain or, you know, I'm going to really sort of test the boundaries here. It's wrong. The players every game have shown how united they are around this. Now, I'm sure every player at Rangers and every player around the league would want to support Kyogo, but you know, they're footballers. They're going to go out there on the weekend and, and go at it and try and win a game of football. It's not their responsibility to continually educate when the education is finished. It's done. It doesn't need gestures. It doesn't need extra sort of actions. I like to see these things as they've been dealt with so far. They did something wrong. They've paid their price. Let's move on. This show is in danger of becoming an Angel Lovin. Um, but uh, yeah, again, he, he's hitting the bullseye, isn't he? I, he's impressive, Robin. And he has been, you know, from, from day one, I have to say, he was very impressed listening to him, I think, as well, which really helped Angel in terms of Go Radio and the listeners and all the pundits on it. Craig Moore gave a really... Um, good insight into how he operated as a football manager and as a human being. Mm. So, you know, with a good marker there and, and what Craig said about him has been absolutely uh, accurate. But, um, you know, it, we now know he can win games of football, but whatever he does, whether Celtic finish a season, trophyless, lose 5 0 tomorrow night, whatever happens, um, he's been brilliant. He's been spot on. And I think he has brought a new level of maturity to the whole old firm debate. It's maybe been lacking, um, you know, lacking from the top right down both clubs going, going through. He has shown some great leadership and I think he's he's set a new benchmark how to behave as a human being, regardless of which team you support, regardless of your religion, regardless of the colour of your skin. He's brought a welcomed level of maturity to it all. Yeah, well said. Maturity uh, is a good word. Um, some breaking news that uh, James Forrest is apparently not on the plane to the Netherlands with Celtic uh, for the Alkmaar game tomorrow. Nor is James uh, James McCarthy. Um, so at least that's going to make uh, the picking of that front six a little a little bit easier yeah, tomorrow. That, that would make you think even more so now that Furuhashi or Edward is going to play off the left mm -hmm. and that one of them will play centre-forward. Abara will play off the right. Um, where does that leave Ryan Christie? You're trying to convince him to extend his contract. You want him to stay beyond January. And you're saying, but this is our biggest game of the season so far and you're not playing. So, and Edward could be the same. You're one of those two you'd, you would imagine would have to miss out. So, but Christie played deeper, didn't he, um, on Saturday because they they played a, a front three uh, with Ryan Christie part of the midfield three. Part of the midfield three. But so, when you look at the performances of Tom Rogic and the hat-trick of David Turnbull, mm. you know, you go to David Turnbull and say, listen, you've just got a hat-trick, so I'm going to make you a sub. You know, no, you I think Tom Rogic could potentially miss well, out, though. And, uh, mm. Well, we've been raving about Tom Rogic yeah. and the freedom he's playing with. And when you go away from home in Europe, you know, naturally, they're trying to protect the lead, but you don't want to protect it by sitting deep. He said he's not going to do that. You want to protect it by going and scoring goals. Mm. And actually, when AZ Alkmaar come forward, they're going to leave more space where you can go and exploit. And I don't think there's many better players than David Turnbull and, and, and Tom Rogic to go and exploit the space in behind an opposition midfield if they're going to leave that kind of space. Yeah. 
So, listen, it, it just depends on the balance of what he wants to go with, Rob. But, you know, this time last year, Celtic didn't have these options. You, you know, they couldn't speak about being flexible and playing players in different positions and, 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 and leaving international players out of your first 11. Certainly in an attacking sense. So, that's where the big turnaround's been. There's, there's four places up for grabs, as I see it, Paul. Um, Rob. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name find me, find me, find me. There's four <laughs> places up for grabs, and there's six going for it. I, mean, I think the back four pretty much picks itself from yeah. the goalkeeper. I think Furihashi picks himself. Whether he gets right through his number nine, or maybe moves a wee bit to the left, and Callum McGregor as as your captain and, and central midfielder. So therefore, it leaves you Sorrow, Turnbull, Rodic, Abada, Edward, and Christie being the main force. And McCarthy haven't travelled. Mm -hmm. Six of them going for four places. Yeah. I mean, th this moves the discussion slightly further on, but when we were talking about it um, on the show last night, I, I said to Kramer, you know, for Sunday, what would Rangers prefer? Would, you know, in terms of the, the Edouard and, and Kyogo debate of who either drops out, well, Kyogo's not dropping out, Edouard could potentially drop out of the Sunday team, maybe not start yeah. potentially, or, or, you know, who, or, or does one play left and one play central? What would Rangers prefer? And, and without blinking... Craig Moore's reaction was, well, what they don't want is that is, is the it's movement is the it's, movement of Kyogo. It's the, the dynamism. When you think back to the game when Rangers lost at home to Malmo, he left out Philip Hollander and he said it ahead of the game, I just think that Leon Balogun's got a little bit more pace. We may have to play on the front foot a bit more and, and, and leave ourselves exposed to the back. That can, bite, uh, can back to bite them because Philip Hollander's probably a better 1v1 defender and they lost a game in two individual instances where Balogun was involved and Halander probably would have defended best. So suddenly if he goes to play Halander on Sunday, Furahashi is probably quicker than anything that uh, Malmo had. So suddenly those little dynamic runs in behind, whereas Edward wants to come off and link the play up. Of course, if Edward comes off to link the play up, then Furahashi can come off the left. But you, you want to try and play your best players who are on form in their best position. And Furahashi is better as a number nine centre-forward than he is playing off the left-hand side. So again, that's finding the balance for Postacoglu. But you're right, the dynamic runs of Furuhashi, particularly when Rangers are home in this 50,000, their fans will be edging them forward, they'll be pushing, they'll be leaving gaps, and that's right up the street with Furuhashi. So, and that's Craig talking as a centre-half, I'm talking as one as well. I'd rather have someone who goes who went towards the ball than rather than someone who runs in behind. I think um, on Sunday, Rob, an absolute certainty, Eduardo start. Not so sure about tomorrow night, but Sunday at Ibrooks, bearing in mind a couple of goals that he scored there, the composure that he shows, he knows that arena. Bear in mind, every Celtic player is going in to play against, obviously, Rangers and 50,000 supporters. You've got to have that mentality. You've got to know what it's all about. So with the greatest respect to a guy like Abada, who's fantastic ability, 19 years old, the occasion might, I say might, might just get to me a bit, but whereas Edward, he's been through the mm -hmm. course, he's scored goals, he's composed. Might be his last game for the club as well. Furuhashi obviously picks himself, but I think 100% Edward will start on Sunday. And are you starting him on the left? Yes, I would. And, and and they can interchange. You know, they're seasoned professionals. There's clearly a chemistry there between them as well. They can kind of work it out for themselves. But in terms of Ange giving his starting 11, I think Furuhashi goes through. Edward more to the left. But move them around. Move it around for sure. It's just four days away. The first old firm game of the season. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Well, it's big headline news. I can't say I'm overexcited about it myself, but Harry Kane is staying <laughs> at Tottenham. We've gone round the houses quite a few times um, and uh, he will be staying at a Spurs 
player Man City were keen to sign him. Uh, Kane believed that he had a gentleman's agreement with the Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy to leave Spurs in the course of the summer. But uh, Levy refusing to enter into any negotiations for him. Um, <laughs> um, we've talked, well, there's been so much talk about Harry Kane and basically nothing's happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you if you want to sort of read into the story behind the story, uh, Rob, I think Harry Kane wanted to go to Man City. Man City wanted to buy him. Spurs supposedly looking for something around about 150 million. Man City maybe prepared to go to around about 110. And therefore, if you're looking at a between 30 and 40 million pound gap, the clubs, um, if Man City aren't willing to, to, to go near that and Spurs aren't willing to bring their valuation down, then you're only prolonging it for another five or six days. And Harry Kane's, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. So I'll just make it out that I just Spurs is always the team that I wanted to play yeah. for and stay for. And uh, all the speculation was was nothing to do with me. But it's just, and that's the the one way where we can say that players. We often hear the phrase players hold all the power nowadays. Well, here's a classic example of the fact that players don't hold all the power. When you sign a six year contract two years ago, then the club have got you and yeah. they can decide what they want to do. Yeah, I have to say some of the quotes do sound a little bit hollow um, about the fact that uh, about his 100% commitment to Tottenham and, and all the rest of it. Anyway, enough about that. He's staying where he is. Um, talking about many millions of pounds, Real Madrid have made a bid of 160 million euros uh, to try to sign PSG striker and France striker Kylian Mbappe. Joined PSG in 2017 in a transfer that at that point was worth 165 0.7 million euros his contract expires in less than a year's time it strikes me that wouldn't be a bad fee to receive well, if someone's going to go for nothing in a year's time it wouldn't considering they spent that money on such a young man he's progressed nicely but if he's shown no intention of signing a deal you know Celtic are trying to bargain and get 10-11 million pounds for Odson and Edward you know and there's Real Madrid or sorry Real Madrid offering 165 million. Now, I'm not comparing the two players, but I'm just showing the gulf and and finances from some places. So, uh, I, I'd be very surprised. I, th I think PSG said at some stage this afternoon there's an offer or there's a figure that they will accept if Mbappe wants to go. He's clearly said he wants to go um, for the good of Real Madrid. And of course, then PSG talking about replacing him with Cristiano Ronaldo. So, uh, Ronaldo, Sergio Ramos. Messi, uh, Messi. <laughs> yeah, Ronaldo and Messi, Messi in the same team. Just, I mean, that would be incredible. incredible. Donnarumma, Donnarumma, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, all the talk of Ronaldo versus Messi over all these years, their goal-scoring exploits and all the same. Wouldn't it be incredible if they ended their careers oh. playing in the same team? I, I, I mean, I'd be fascinated first of all to see the chemistry between them. I mean, I, I don't know. Did, did, did they go on? Did they like? Each would they pass other? the ball to each other? Exactly. <laughs> you know, as of that, you know, so it would be fascinating to see the chemistry. I'm sure that's something that. Uh, um, Pochettino would, would, would want to know um, about but it sounds like Mbappe is going to be so but again where, where did Real Madrid get the money there may have been financial uh, yeah. straight so where, where did they get that kind of money to go and um, make that deal happen it's just some, as if some clubs just you know money doesn't matter the level of debt doesn't matter you know we'll just go and spend but even if we've not got it, but we'll just go and spend it. Maybe Imagine you Aoife would be looking at the PSG wage bill and thinking, how does this all fit in? <laughs> how do you get these guys fitted into this strict, you know, pay schedule mm. we're giving you? So, but listen, it would be, it would be PlayStation football, wouldn't it? You know, the supporters yeah. would just love it. The jerseys they would sell. I, I mean, the money they would make coming back in from bringing someone like Cristiano Ronaldo as well as Messi, who I think they probably made the fee back already and his wages back with everything, all the memorabilia they've sold. So, yeah, it's certainly um, 
maybe, maybe they'll just come up with another plan for another European Super League to, that, <laughs> to get everyone out of the steepling debt that they all seem to be in. Um, I was talking about the Scotland squad and the fact it's a strange one when uh, David Marshall isn't involved in it. It's also a strange one where, uh, recently when, when there's no Andy Considine in it. Um, of course, he he's injured. He was injured on that on that pitch in Baku uh, for Aberdeen last Thursday. Uh, and he won't play again in, in 2021. Um, and he was the man who brought brought us uh, Yes Sir, I Can Boogie, uh, which was adopted as the Scotland theme tune going into uh, the European Championship mm. finals. Uh, and at age, I think he's 34 now. 34. So it's going to be a, a, a tough recovery mission for him. Yeah. The first thing you say about Andrew Considine, he, he's been a great role model at Aberdeen for all the younger players. He showed great loyalty staying at the club. Naturally, the club have rewarded him by giving him contracts, but he's always played, no matter who's come into that club as manager. I mean, I think he made his debut, when did I write down? 2005 against Celtic. So the number of managers he's been through, yet he continually finds a place in the team, whether it's left-back, he's adapted to a left-back. Everything about him, uh, I think he's conducted himself terrifically well. It was great to see him get Scotland caps. You know, for someone who's put so much into Scottish football, so much into Aberdeen, Rob, his contract's up in the summer. I would like to think that Aberdeen would do the right thing yeah. and extend it by another year. Listen, I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if those negotiations have started already. But Dave Cormack knows what it means to have someone at the club as loyal as Andy Considine, who hopefully after football will have a career uh, in, in coaching somewhere along uh, the line or somewhere down the line at Aberdeen. It's such a shame because, you know, Aberdeen looking a really good team this year, having him involved in it. Would, would be perfect for him, you know, and getting into the group stages potentially if the Europa League would have been, mm. uh, you know, a wonderful way to wind down your final years at Aberdeen. So, fingers crossed he, he can get himself back fit and available. We're talking about sometime after Christmas. I know that certainly the, the ACL injuries are, they're certainly speeding up with regards to recovery. Uh, and if there's one professional who will look after himself to get him back as quick as uh, get himself back as quick as possible, it'll be Andy Considine. Yeah, I thought Aberdeen probably needed to sign another central defender anyway, um, even before he, he got injured. But but Mark certainly now they will be in the final few days of the transfer market. They will be looking uh, pretty hard for at least one central defender. Yeah, they will be, and the the, the kind of quality that uh, Stephen Glass can aim for will we'll, you know tomorrow night will have a big bearing on that. Uh, Rob, because yeah. you win tomorrow night, you've got guaranteed three million pounds coming into your club. You don't win your, your three million pounds down, so that could be the difference between shopping around for a a thousand pounds to fifteen hundred pound player to somebody maybe two and a half to three grand a week. So the quality uh, goes up. So that's how big it is tomorrow night um, for Aberdeen. But more importantly, just to wish Andy Considine yeah. all the best. I never forget his interview after his Scotland debut. Was it against Israel? I'm not. I'm not hundred percent oh. sure who it was against, but um, he just won a. A nation's heart. It was so genuine, mm -hmm. so off the cuff. You knew it wasn't scripted. It, you know, it wasn't. You know, about being told what to do from a PR point of view. It was heartfelt and it was really, really warm. And um, from that moment on, yeah, he certainly won a place in the in my heart. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he's a great guy. We wish him well. And Mark talking there about the the financial prizes on offer for all four Scottish teams mm. tomorrow night in Europe. It, it brings the conversation rightly at the close of the show round to very much that. Um, what an incentive! Uh, it is game changing, isn't it? It would, you know, it would make a massive difference to to Aberdeen. Uh, you know, the the fairy tale story that I think we all hope uh, comes off is St Johnston. Absolutely, you know. What surprised me, actually, looking at St. Johnson's results this year, barring their, their winning penalties against Arbroath, they haven't won a game. 
you know, yet they've no. got all this positive publicity surrounding them, and rightly so, from what the players have done. I think this, you know, the Sterling performance in, in Galatasaray, they should have won the game last week, no doubt about it. They had chances at 1 0 to go and seal the game. But what's pleasing is that there's no away goals rule. There's nothing like that. St. Johnson just have to win the game. Mm. Whether it's 90 minutes, 120, they just have to win the game. If they can win by a single goal, by you know, 2-1-3-2, two, two, it doesn't make it. Just go and win the game. And that's that's a nice mindset to have. They're not playing catch-up. They're not playing a away goals rule to handicap them, which has happened so often in, in, in Scottish football for the smaller clubs. So they've got a job to do. My only concern is they don't put teams away. You know, They look, don't look as if they you know, can really go and pierce teams 2-3-0 and three nil at this moment in time. Um, they've got a lot of hard work a lot of energy everything they do with Callum Davis I really like it the structure the setup, the trust they have in each other so if there's one group of players you'd want to send out at McDermott Park tomorrow night to go and win a game by hook or by crook it would be the St Johnson players Yeah and I do like the line that's been used more than once you know treat it like a cup final St Johnson tend to do pretty well in cup yeah. finals and that is one tomorrow night isn't it? Yeah it is it's, it's a cup final obviously a £3 million pounds cup final which I think that, that prize money is more than the prize money for winning the SPFL Premiership. So it's massive. Uh, David Wallerspoon, I think, is back uh, in contention, available for selection, which is a big, big lift um, for the for the start of the living. Um, but I was at the game in Klagenfurt last week over in Austria, and there's absolutely no reason why uh, St Johnston can't win the game tomorrow night. Lask are a, a very able team. You look at the Europa League last season, they get 10 points. Um, from their section normally 10 points is enough Rob, but, it, but it didn't get them through they actually finished stud with 10 points got a 3-3 draw against Spurs um, not to export in Lisbon but uh, yeah St Johnston can do it and the one thing about St Johnston as we all know you need to play well to beat St Johnston they mm. don't lose games um, easily but the point that, that Stephen made at the other end that, that that's the key to it they create loads and loads of chances it's just putting them um, putting them away but David Wallerspoon can just bring that extra bit of uh, quality to the team and the pace of Michael O'Halloran and Glenn Middleton mm. caused Lask all sorts of problems down the, the wide areas. Is it Aberdeen who have the toughest task of all four tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon and evening? Yeah, well, it's because they're chasing the game. Yeah. Effectively, you know, they're a goal behind. Uh... But they're also facing a team with a real pedigree. Yeah, they you are. Know, I, I, know, I know the personnel has changed a bit with Carabag, but in seven of the last, last seven seasons, six times in Europa groups, once in the Champions yeah. League. Listen, historically they've been a good side. You know, it, it will be a challenge for Aberdeen, but, you know, they've had some special nights already at Petodi this season with regards fans being in and goals scored and, and, and the atmosphere generated. So they will need that. But, you know, play with a an assurance about them. I think last week they were, I wouldn't say intimidated, listen, it's a long way to go to Carabag and the pitch wasn't great and things like that. So they're still in the tie. That was the key about it all. For the, for the four, certainly the, the two teams who were away last week, St Johnston and Aberdeen, Get yourself back into your home ground, still alive in the tie. That's exactly where they are. So I would expect a huge performance from Aberdeen. You know, naturally the money is going to be good for the club, but the players don't think like that. The players just think about winning the game, getting into the group stages, and then, of course, you'd like to think that both owners or chairman would be playing the pairs handsomely <laughs> on bonuses to get themselves in. If they really want to get in, go and just give the players an extra, an extra little incentive. It doesn't always motivate everyone, but if it motivates one or two and it works, then you know why not go and do it? Celtic in the Netherlands, no James Forrest or James McCarthy on the plane. Um, but you do expect goals at the moment from Celtic and already uh, two up. That should be enough, whatever happens defensively, Mark. Yeah, you would you would think so. And I think there'll be goals in all four ties. I can see all eight teams scoring um, tomorrow night. 
um, at some stage. That um, sounds like a wager to me. Yeah, you got a good price on that. Yeah, you probably would actually. Would. It's not, <laughs> uh, I might uh, look at that one actually. But um, no, I think in order of who I fancy to to go through, I, I think Celtic will get there. I think Rangers will get there. St Johnston, I think, will just sneak it. And, and I think Aberdeen will just sneak it. But Aberdeen's my biggest yeah. concern. And when you said there, Rob, God, you know, 2007, the last time in the group. See, I couldn't believe 14 years ago with Jimmy Calderwood's team. I remember yeah. it well, that yeah. campaign and Jimmy's style of football. But I couldn't believe it was 14 years ago. So, look, Petodri will be bouncing tomorrow night. McDermott Park will be absolutely bouncing. And I've just got a wee feeling it's a big ask. But I think we could be sitting here at, at 10 o'clock tomorrow night with all four teams through. As often with this show, uh, we end up uh, speaking about what we started talking about two hours ago, Craigs, and that was uh, the Rangers absentees going into this game, the first of the four games uh, tomorrow afternoon, four o'clock kickoff, high temperatures yeah. in, in Armenia, um, and a good starting lineup, but probably not the strength on the bench. Uh, for Gary McAllister to go to that he would have wished no, for. Well, there's a big responsibility then on the likes of Stephen Davis and Scott Arfield and Connor Goldson, the leaders and the drivers within that group, to really make sure everyone's together, that they force it on the pitch. They're not looking to Gary McAllister on the sideline to manage them. Manage on the pitch. There's more than enough experience international and European championships that they've won, cups and you know leagues they've played in. So go and make sure you win. Do the club a favour. The club need to be in the Europa League group stages. Go and get it done, and I think they'll do it. So is it all four for you? Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, this is, I wouldn't say historical night for Scottish football tomorrow night, but it, it, it's a huge leap forward. You know, for too long, we've been relying on Rangers and Celtic for coefficient points. It would be great if St. Johnson and Aberdeen could kick in. And absolutely, having watched the, the Aberdeen game and the St. Johnson game, they're more than capable of beating Carabag and Lask. And we'll welcome the fixture chaos that comes with it as well. Hopefully, all four teams looking forward to European uh, football up till Christmas time. Uh, we will uh, continue our build-up. Of course, uh, we will be in the midst of the, the Rangers game uh, on tomorrow's show and then with the other games to follow in the evening. Back tomorrow, live at five. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five.